0: When your associate minister parks himself behind the pulpit, you never know what's going to come. He dug right at me, but I appreciate it. Doug, I do appreciate I've known him about all of his life, and I'm thankful that I've had the opportunity to meet Matt, and I appreciate the work that you two men are doing. Thanks again to the elders for the invitation to come. You've made me feel at home. You've been kind to me. I think this is probably a 10 pound meeting when I consider all the food that we've had, and I have enjoyed it. Enjoyed being with you. I have enjoyed life with you. I have enjoyed being serious with you and preaching God's Word. I'm thankful for the young lady that was baptized and others that have been baptized recently. And I just thank you for everything. When you're in Henderson, come by to see me. I'd be glad to have you visit. And I know there are some connections to Fred Hardeman and I'd be glad to have you. This fellow went to the doctor and both ears were burned. Doc said, "What happened?" He said, "Well, I was sitting in the room where my wife was ironing, and she left the iron sitting on the end of the ironing board, and the telephone rang, and by mistake I picked up the iron. The doctor said, well, why are both ears burned? He said, Doc, would you believe they call back? (laughs) Well, I'm thankful that you called me to come, and if you ever need to call me again in the future, do that. And as I said last night, if you know of anyone that I can help, let me know. We've emphasized uh, communication, and that means understanding what you're talking about. These two little grandsons were visiting with their grandparents, and Grandpa was sitting in his easy chair, leaned back, and one of the little boys came in and said, Grandpa, would you go like a frog? No. Oh, Grandpa, please sound like a frog. I'm not going to do it. A little later, the other grandson came in and said, Grandpa, I'd like to hear you sound like a frog. He said, I'm not going to do it. Why do you all want me to sound like a frog? He said, well, Grandmother said we could go to Disney World when you croaked. <laughs> It helps to understand. Maybe you'll remember my funny stories if you don't remember anything else. You'll remember God's Word, too. We've covered a lot of subjects this week. Tonight in the first lesson, we're talking about the man who walked with God. There are two different men about whom it is specifically said they walked with God. The other is Noah. But we've already looked at him this week as the man who was saved by grace. I'm reading in Genesis 5, beginning at verse 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In that uh, hero chapter of Hebrews 11, verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. I want us to just look at what's in those verses that we have just read and learn from what's said there what it means to walk with God. I hope that each one of us is walking with God. We sometimes sing hand-in-hand with Jesus. Of course, that's a figurative relationship. He's not here physically or literally. But if we're going to live the Christian life, we've got to walk with him. Bible tells us if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. First John 1 and verse 7. I just want to make some simple observations tonight about this man who walked with God. Notice that he began his walk. I cannot prove this, but there's a strong possibility that he had not walked with God for the first 65 years. For some reason, at least, those 65 years are mentioned. He lived 65 years and begat Methuselah, and then it says that he walked with God for 300 years. Whenever he began his walk with God, he had to have a beginning. Young folks especially want you to try something when you get home tonight. I want you to stand there in the room, and I want you to take the second step before you take the first step across that room. Well, let me back up. I want you to try to. You can't do it. It is impossible, and if you don't believe I'm right, you try it. It is impossible to take the second step before you take the first step. I'm persuaded that there are many people who are not obeying the gospel because they've not come to realize that. I've had people say, well, I know I need to be baptized, but I'm just afraid I can't do what's right on down the road. You'll never know what you'll do down the road until you take that first step. He began. I am told that in track and field that the dash, especially the 100-yard dash, is not won at the tape or at the finish line, but that it is usually won by the first step that's taken out of the stocks. You've seen races like that on television, and you know how they'll get down and put their feet in the stock to give them a brace to start out, and if one starts too soon and scratches, they have to start over. But when they first start that race, usually the announcer will say, a certain one, he got a good start. And most of the time, that's the one that wins the race. You must begin anything if you're going to accomplish anything. When the writer of Acts started that book, and that was Luke, He referred back to the gospel that he had written about the life of Christ. And he said, The former treatise have I written unto thee, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And he said he continued until the day in which he was taken up. He said, I started with the life of Christ where he began in his personal ministry. Paul said to the church at Philippi in Philippians 1 6, I'm persuaded that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord. There has to be the beginning. And that's what this passage says that Enoch began. Notice in the second place, he walked, which suggests some action. It doesn't say that he sat with the Lord but that he walked with the Lord. It is easy for us to sit down. It is not as easy for us to walk and then learn in that walking how to run. He walked. He put forth some action. If you ever get an opportunity, go through the Bible and see how many times you can find the word do or the word did or even the word work. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, James 1.22. And we could add an idea to that. Be ye doers of the word, and not sayers only. I know Jesus condemned the Pharisees and scribes back in Matthew 23 for many things. And one of the things he said was, they say and do not. How many times do you and I talk a good talk? But do not walk a good walk, as you've heard the statement made. He walked; he put forth some action. Jesus asked the question in Luke six forty six: "How call you me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say?" I believe the three most important words in the English language may very well be "I love you." But folks, it's not the emotion that we understand, it's the action that we understand. You probably would agree with me that the best definition of love that you've ever heard is in the 13th chapter of First Corinthians, where they're in verses 4 through 6. He starts out that love suffereth long and is kind, and you know all of those. Look at that list sometimes and ask yourself how many of those points made there are emotions and feelings, not a one of them. They're all action. God wants us to be living for him. He wants us to do something for him. So we see that Enoch walked, and he walked with God. There are a lot of people that are walking and doing something, but they're not with God. There are a lot of people that are doing things religiously, but they are not with God. There are a lot of people who think they're walking with God who are not. Let me use pretty good witness on that in Matthew 7:21 not every one that saith unto me lord lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my father which is in heaven and if you're reading from a red letter edition you'll notice those words are in red these are the words of christ he went ahead to say many will say to me in that day lord lord have we not cast out devils in thy name And in thy name done many wonderful works, and even said prophesied in thy name. And he said, I'll tell them, depart from me. I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. Now, notice what's said there. They claim to be doing good works. He said, I don't even know you. Your works are iniquity because they're not with me, Jesus speaking. Enoch not only walked, but he walked with God. And I want you to notice also that he walked in the flesh and among people. It says that he walked with God 300 years and begat sons and daughters. Now that says more than just the fact that he had children. That says he had a family. That says that he had a family life. And that also says, if you'll read between the lines, that he had responsibilities to his family to care for them. What does walking with God mean? It does not mean getting in a monastery somewhere or a convent and getting all away from the people in order to be closer to God. There is a fictional story that a man climbed up on the church building and climbed to the top of the steeple to be closer to Christ. And that the voice came to him, and this is the fictional part, and said, get down off the steeple, I'm down among the people. That didn't happen with those words, but that idea is there. We may be trying many times to climb up on top of the steeple to act like we are serving God when God wants us down with the people living in the flesh. Young people, when you go to school, you can be a Christian. When any of us go to work, we can be Christians. Our walking with God is not just while we're inside a building like this, it's 24 7 even when we're sleeping and getting the rest that the body requires, even when we go on vacation to recreate the body and the mind. We ought to be doing all of that to the glory of God. Walking with God means that we are walking in the flesh. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Galatians 2.20. It starts out with death. I'm crucified with Christ. But then notice what it says. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Five times in that one verse, he mentions some form of live, living. That's what Christianity is about. Presenting your body a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1, and transforming your mind, verse 2, but living. And there's another word in that passage I want to emphasize as we pass, and that's the word reasonable. I believe that's all God expects of me and all he expects of you. I cannot do everything, neither can you. But God wants me to give a reasonable service to Him. And God is reasonable. He just wants us to walk with Him and to live for Him while we're in the flesh. And you also see the idea, as you read all these verses, that Enoch influenced other people. It said he had a testimony that he pleased God. Somebody was talking about him in a positive way emphasizing that he was pleasing God. And so as you walk along in life, at school, on the job, in the community, at home, that's a part of setting the example of being a Christian. And I believe that's what happened to Enoch. Also notice that Enoch walked with God a long time. Three hundred years he walked with God. Not only was it a long time in the sense of the number of years, but it was a long time in the sense that it went all the way to the end of his life. He walked with God. I hear a lot of discussion today about the generation gap between the older members and the younger members. I hear a lot said about the millennials and what they want, the older people and what they want and I wish in all those discussions somebody would stop and ask, what does God want? Let me address you older members for a moment. I've talked directly to the younger members some. There's a tendency when we get a little older to say, I've done my work, I'm going to let the younger people do it. Well, there is an element in which we're not able to do as much when we get older as we did when we were younger. And there is a truth in that we need to involve the younger people and train them and get them more involved. But I don't care how old you are, nobody else can do your Christian living for you. You may need to slow down. You may not be able to jump as high as you used to. But, folks, if we ever overlook the wisdom of the older members and let the energy of the younger people take care of all the decisions, we're doomed. Or if we ever overlook the energy and the part that the younger people can play, we're also going to be doomed. We need the proper mixture of the experience and wisdom of the older members with the energy and enthusiasm of the younger members with mutual admiration and inspiration to do the work of the Lord. Enoch walked with God a long time, and the Bible says God took him. Elijah was translated, and did, or went up, you remember, and didn't have death as we normally think of it. Enoch didn't die in the normal sense of the word, and yet it was like that because they didn't see him anymore, he took him, he wasn't there anymore. He just simply took him directly without the process of death that we normally think of. Same sense that his soul continued and went to be with God when someone dies, his soul continues and goes to be with God. But it was a little different. He translated Enoch. God took him. God took him when he was ready. He took him when he had finished his life, what God wanted him to do on this earth. And he was literally faithful up to the point of death. And God took him. You know why God took him? Because he had walked with God. And each one of us who will walk with God will not be translated in that sense, but even at death, our soul will leave the body and go to God in the likeness of what happened here. And if we're ready, we can be with God forever. A little girl in Sunday school class gave the best description of what happened to Enoch that I've ever heard. teacher asked her to tell the story. She said, well, God and Enoch were out walking, and they just kept walking and walking and walking and got further away from Enoch's home. And God said, Enoch, it's closer to my home than it is to yours. You just go home with me. That's exactly what happened. And one of these days, I hope that God will say to you, we're closer to my place than we are to yours. Just go home with me. When you come to that point that you face death, especially if your mind is still good and you know what's happening, try to look at it like that. And if you walked with God, if you began that walk and you had action and you walked with God and you walked a long time and you served him all of your life, you can have the same result that Enoch had. And you can go home with God and be with him forever. That's why we are encouraging you every night to walk with God, to begin that walk if you're not a Christian, and to take that walk back up if you haven't been walking as you should, and just walk with God every day, and then whenever God decides that that's long enough, you'll be ready to go home to live